1: the decade when the world lost Africa's premier bluesman this is Soundcheck. I'm John Schaefer and today on the show the best world music of the past 10 years and the best jazz as well and a little bit later German composer and director Heiner Goebbels talks about creating a live performance piece without live performers but first, Malian singer and guitarist Ali Farkatore was one of the most internationally renowned musicians from Africa. He was number 76 on Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 100 greatest guitarists of all time. He recorded with guitarist Ry Cooter and won two Grammys. But Ali Farkatore died in 2006 of bone cancer at the age of 66, and his last album, Savan makes it to the list of the best world music of the decade. That, according to Siddhartha Mitter, who writes about music for numerous publications, including the Boston Globe, Afropop Worldwide, and Paste Magazine. And, Siddhartha, welcome back to Soundcheck. Hi, John. Glad to be here. So, uh, Ali Farkatore won his Grammy for the album In the Heart of the Moon, his splendid duo record with the choral player, Tumani Jabadi. You went for Savan instead. Why?
0: I think so. I was actually tempted to put uh, the one with too many because uh, for the simple reason that if you do the the 10 best world music records of the decade it's very hard to have only one from Mali such as the uh, enormous abundance of great material from Mali that, uh, that that makes it onto the world music industry uh, and so picking the one that Ali Farkatore did with the choral player Tumani Diabate would be, have at least a two for one right, value right. but um, <laughs> instead I, I actually I like that album but I find it gets a little noodly and a little vague sometimes at, at times and I thought that Savan which is Alifar Couture's really valedictory album. It came out uh, moments after he died, actually. Um, had a robustness. It had a real sturdiness and energy and drive and that feeling, the connection with the blues that we we recognize here in America, but also a huge amount
1: of local content to it and a local feel. All right, Siddhartha, we set you a difficult task, as we did for all of our critics during our annual Critics Week, uh, because it's not just Best of the Year. We asked you to give us three from this year and then the other seven of your top ten Best of the Decade. As you've already said, it was hard to limit yourself to one from Mali, which has had a huge impact on, on world music. Enormous. Um, but in your list of seven of the best of the decade, there are four Africans, including uh, Ali Fark-Oture. Um Is that still... The you know the number one is that the hot seat for for world music still
0: that's a, that's a complicated question I, I think some of it is uh, there's some scientific term it's an artifact of construction or something like that I think that when the term world music emerged as a commercial category in the 1980s it really reflected music coming from places that were viewed as having you know traditional musics and so forth and also the right artists arriving on the global market at the right time and so you ended up with music. Basically from kind of the global south, but even more particularly from um, the Black Atlantic, from from West Africa, from Cuba, from Brazil. And so a little bit we're dealing with, with with the artifact of that. Now, broadening it out, world music, there's a whole, you know, I'm sure on Soundcheck you've had this debate about world music any number of times. We don't need to have that debate. I think that now... Uh, any usefulness that the term might have had in the past is pretty much gone now because now world music is... um, What does that mean? I mean, there's world
1: music being made, you know, within a mile of here. Is Shakira world music? I mean, you know, she's from Colombia, but she's clearly a pop star. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So was this a good decade for world music? It was a brilliant decade for world music. Almost
0: perfect. Why? Because so much variety of music got made, because so many different styles and hybrids and genres came up out of nowhere, but they didn't come up out of nowhere. They came out of migration. They came out of globalization. They came out of technology. You, know, you could have a producer and an artist you know, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 miles away working together, sharing tracks. And so that's one of the reasons why it was great, just in terms of the, the, the sheer variety and inventiveness of music that came about. The other reason why it was a great decade is that we got access to so much more music than we ever did. Now, it's not necessarily music that you're going to be able to get on physical CDs or even at iTunes or the Amazon's, Amazon store on, on downloads. But if you expand the field of where we get music to uh, MySpace, to YouTube in particular, uh, which is what we do in the in the mm-hmm, music, mm-hmm. you know, uh, criticism, professional game, that's where we're getting more and more of our music now. And in world music, that's all the more important.
1: So uh, there there are seven of these sort of Classic world music recordings of the decade, and three great ones from this year on on Siddhartha Mitter's list. And you can find his full list on the Soundcheck page, wnyc.org, and his complete thoughts and further suggestions on the Culture page of wnyc.org. Let's hear a, a, a few of those other African recordings that uh, that dot Siddhartha's uh, top ten for this decade. Yusu Endor and his classic album Egypt. <laughs> To controversial but ultimately triumphant exploration of Islam, the album Egypt is on Siddhartha Mitter's top 10 for the decade. So is the band Kekele with their album Kinavana, a blend of Kinshasa and Havana, Cuba. <laughs>
2: Paradizu, that's it, my e comia fair, okay, go bangaban, s'il te play that so kiwana. So kill manayote, libalate, oh komonan pasia pamba, oko ma pour e
1: gete oko le la lila. Two thousand six record from the band kekele from the Congo. And from Algeria, Swad Masi, and the title track from Mesk Elil.
2: bedil.
1: <laughs> Tibda, the more for in and for good intends for a bad for
0: the words get
1: you and yet another of the albums of the decade according to my guest at Arthur Mitter, the uh, world music uh, Singer, songwriter, Swad Masi, Mesk Elil. She's from Algeria, but she's based in Paris, right?
0: Yeah, she is. She's, so uh, she's like part
1: of that globalization that you were, the, the immigration that you were talking about.
0: Absolutely. And a, and a lot of great Algerian, Moroccan, Tunisian music happens out of Paris or has Paris involved. But she's, 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 she's part of that migration. She's also a representative of another trend, which is uh, this kind of globalized singer-songwriter, uh, especially female, but there are some men also who do it. Um, and uh, you know, like um, well, Asha out of Nigeria is, mm-hmm. is one who's 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 on the scene right now, like that.
1: What about somebody like Juanes, from also like Shakira from Colombia, but who you know still sings in his native language, has elements of traditional Colomb- Colombian folklore, and yet is like selling millions of albums and winning Grammys and stuff. Is he part of that scene as well? Uh, ar- arguably, I mean, it's it's.
0: Is pop. I, I I didn't. I actually kept away from going heavily on the Latin side because I wasn't sure if you had a Latin critic specifically this this uh, this week, and it it made my task a little bit easier to not really think about
1: Juanes and Shakira. But
0: they okay. fit too.
1: Well, uh, I mean, in in terms of this hemisphere, uh, Central America, South America, th- those places do crop up on your list. Um, the the wor- music world actually mourned the death of Andy Palacio not long after the music world. Knew who he was. Oh man, that was tragic. He, I mean, he sort of burst on the scene with this Garifuna collective and then a year later was, was gone at the age of 48. He, he was a
0: big deal if you were from Belize or the neighboring countries because he was a big pop star there. But those are small countries, small communities, and uh, this album, uh, uh, Watina, was really the roots album of the decade. An incredible record. <laughs>
1: And the Garifuna Collective and the title track from the album Watina, big uh, splash in the the world music scene in 2007. They played here in our Soundcheck studio, Siddhartha, and then, as as you say, just kind of taken from us way too soon, uh, stroke at the age of of 48, early in... Yeah, 47, 47, and then they tried
0: for three or four days to rescue him. He was flown all over the U.S. and so on, and then he passed away. It was really sad.
1: Now there there are other uh, musicians from uh, the same general area of the world on your list of the best of the decade. Uh, the veteran Mexican band Café Tacuba. There there, you could have picked I guess any number of records by uh, by. You, by them, but you, you chose which.
0: I, I chose Cuatro Caminos, and the reason why I chose it is that I think it's really the one that that brought them more broadly to the attention of kind of the Anglo rock crowd here in the U.S. Even though they had been in Mexico doing their thing for about ten years or something like and, that, and
1: had collaborated with Kronos Quartet. I mean they've certainly
0: been around. But but in terms of becoming a real rock phenomenon, I think this is in the in in the U.S. This is the one that that made it, and they're 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 a great band. You know, it used to be that uh, rock and also hip hop from non Anglo places was kind of corny cheesy you had like you know 80s style rock or you had like really bad gangster hip-hop and all of that but now uh there's amazing rock and hip-hop coming from all over the world and and i think cafe tacuba i'll say one thing about cafe tacuba they gave the absolute best stage show i saw anywhere all decade there is nothing like the energy of these guys on stage unbelievable
2: (laughs)
1: We heard a little bit from Café Tacuba and now from Spain, rounding out Siddhartha Mitter's list of the best world music of the decade,
2: que un Diva permita que quien tú más quieras pague tus careles tus careles pague con mala traición Guitarra
1: Her name is Buika. She's on Siddhartha Mitter's list of the best world music of the decade, part of our Critics Week on Soundcheck and Siddhartha's full list. Uh, and an expanded version with additional thoughts and suggestions is on the Soundcheck page, WNYC.org. Buika's an inter- interesting example. Of world music, I mean, you know, this is, she's from Spain, but her family is from where? Equatorial Guinea? Equatorial
0: Guinea, which was a very remote Spanish colony for a period of time, and then she grew up, like, in the one black family in Mallorca in the Balearic Islands, hung out with, like, gypsy musicians, and now is this kind of global Spanish singer, incredibly intense. Anybody who saw her at uh, Lincoln Center Out of Doors a few months ago is probably still rocking from the experience.
1: (laughs) All right, so, Siddhartha, we've somehow managed to touch on all seven of your CDs of the decade. We asked you for three CDs of 2009. Uh, You you went with uh, the Brazilian singer Otto, who had a great record, um, uh, "Baraca Som Sistema, from Portugal, uh, kind of electro what? Electrofusion pop thing? A a quick
0: word about that. I mean, Buraka Som Sistema was the, to my mind, the dance club sensation of the year. And the the music that they make is Kuduro, which is based on traditional Angolan rhythms. But they make a really global uh, form of it. Very electronic, very kind of uh, jangly, percussive, loud, fun, lots of chants and so on. Not at all your uh, father's or perhaps your big brother or big sister's (laughs) world music. But that's the point. They they make music that has uh, connections in Angola, in Portugal, in Paris, in Cape Verde and so on, and they rocked uh, Coachella Festival uh, this year, leaving people, you know, on, mm-hmm. on, on their rear ends. Uh, a great,
1: great, great band, and another, you know, that's, that's where world music is really heading. And, and then the, the, the odd man out, the, the one we haven't mentioned yet, uh, arguably the biggest star of the all, Kailash Kerr, who in India is a huge sensation... And is just now making a name for himself outside.
0: Yeah, and, and part of that is because albums, you know, you don't have that many albums in India. It's really uh, presence on films. Right. And he's been on like 300, 400, 500 Bollywood films. He finally has his first international release this year called Yatra. It's a little bit of a greatest hits. There's some songs from the past five or six years and a couple of new ones. Uh, and it's high time, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's absolutely fabulous. Very spiritual, very mystical, very
1: soulful. And also uh, an alumnus of Soundcheck, Siddhartha Mitter, with me uh, on Critics Week this week. And uh, you can check out his full list and more on the Soundcheck page, WNYC.org. Siddhartha, happy holidays. Thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure, John. Thank you. <laughs> Up next, the best of jazz from this past decade, from avant-gardist Henry Threadgill to the rockest bad boys of the bad plus. And later, composer and conceptual artist Heiner Goebbels previews a massive new multimedia work, which debuts tonight at the Park Avenue Armory. This is Soundcheck. Check out today's Soundcheck blog. For me, the story in world music this decade has been Tanariwen. This group of nomadic Tuareg musicians spent years fighting the Malian government and then traded their guns for electric guitars. It's a great story, but it's the music that's proven irresistible.
2: For the rest of the story, visit the Soundcheck page at WNYC.org.
1: A good decade for jazz, for those people who paid attention, even if we did lose one of the fathers of free jazz piano. This is Soundcheck, I'm John Schaefer, and we continue with our Critics Week with the best of the past 10 years in jazz. Pianist and composer Andrew Hill started playing as a teenager with masters like Charlie Parker and Miles Davis. As a leader and composer, he became known for his free improvisations and for the harmonic complexity of his compositions. Hill died in 2007 at the age of 76, and his album Dusk, from the year 2000, is one of the best of the decade. That according to Will Lehman, jazz critic for PopMatters.com. Will joins us, as he usually does, by phone from the D.C. area. Will, welcome back. Thanks for having me, John. So uh, it was, uh, I think, a pretty good decade, but, uh, you know, you have to be realistic. We lost a lot of big names, Max Roach, Andrew Hill. Was that counterbalanced by, by new arrivals for you? Well,
2: it, I think there were a lot of great new voices. Um, somebody who doesn't happen to be on the list, although he plays on one of the records on my list, who I think is a good example, is the the young pianist Jason Moran. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy who... You know, he plays uh, stride piano and he plays free jazz and he really exists in the middle ground. And that's what has been so great about so many of the new voices of this decade is they, they exist in that great American middle area between freedom and order.
1: Now, when when you sent us your list, and by the way, uh, Will's full list is, again, on the Soundcheck page at WNYC.org. You told us that you, you made your list according to the thrill factor, the thrill effect. What did you mean by that?
2: Well... You know, John, when I'm listening to jazz, and I, I think jazz sometimes feels like just about the most abstract of the relatively popular musics, you know, they're, <laughs> often it's entirely instrumental, and so you're not reacting to the lyrics or to the stories necessarily, but I get a kind of electric excitement when I hear sounds that are really fresh and new, but still connect to me, uh, make me want to move or or, 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 or or kind of bring me alive, you know, make me more awake than I mm-hmm. would be otherwise.
1: So for you, Herbie Hancock's River the Joni Letters did not do that. It's not on your list.
2: Well— it- it is not on my list, and I think that's partly because I love the way Herbie plays, but his style has been so incorporated into jazz already. I mean, there are certain little things about the way he plays, things that I think were really thrilling in 1966 and probably in 1976, you know, the high tremolo of a chord voicing that you hear a lot of pianists do now. But when I hear his stuff, while it's beautiful and intelligent, um, it, it doesn't give me the jolt of the new, or the jolt of reinterpreting the old. He's sort of, uh, he's certainly a standby, and I loved that record, but um, it, 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 didn't, it, didn't, uh, it didn't act like caffeine pumping through my <laughs> veins the way, say, the new Fiji Ir record did.
1: Okay, so we, that, the Herbie Hancock record did win the Grammy for Album of the Year just a couple of years back. Tell, but, you know, that uh, Herbie Hancock aside, it did seem to be a good decade for the veterans, looking at your list. William Parker... And uh, the album called O'Neill's Porch from 2001, Um, bassist, New York, you know, figure on the New York scene. Uh, What about him keeps him so, you know, thrilling for you after all this time?
2: Well, Parker is a real you know, a downtown guy, which I guess in jazz is code for sort of an out-cat, a cat who plays, you know, without much commercial concern. He has a ton of different bands. He's always a nurturing young talent. But O'Neill's Porch was really the first record by his quartet, and he made several uh, since then, um, uh, some of which are... Uh, very nearly, or maybe maybe as good as O'Neill's Porch. But when I heard O'Neill's Porch, I heard this quartet that was both as free as a group could be, you know, in their improvisations and their ranging over their instruments, and yet all the tunes were grounded in the kind of funky hip-swaying jazz that I think was so successful in the the 1960s. So it seemed like Parker was willing to give you some of the pleasures of the jazz from an earlier generation with with a lot of the freedoms uh, of the jazz of today, and And, I love that combination.
1: uh, And and other names on your list, and again, some of these will be familiar to to jazz fans. Steve Bernstein's Millennial Territory Orchestra finally releasing an album called Volume 1, uh, Wayne Shorter, Beyond the Sound Barrier, and Cassandra Wilson's Loverly. We can hear a little bit from each of these. Uh, these are both from Will Layman's list of the best of the decade in jazz.
0: And I forget to do The little ordinary things
2: That anyone ought to
0: Happy as a queen and foolish, though it may seem
1: Cassandra Wilson, Do the very thought of you, very distinctive version of that uh, that old chestnut, Wayne shorter before that, beyond the sound barrier, both of them appearing on will layman's list of. The best jazz recordings of the decade, and so so. Will as we've been Hello. discussing, it seems to have been a good decade for some of the uh, some of the old the old hands, the veterans. But uh, looking at your list, it's rounded out by a couple of relative newcomers: uh, the Robert Glasper Trio and the trio known as the Bad Plus. Um, do, do you see these guys? I mean, Glasper with his hip hop elements, and the Bad Plus with their rock covers. Are they? Pointing to the future of jazz or a future of jazz?
2: Well, jazz has always done a great job of incorporating whatever the popular music was of that time into its sort of its DNA. So, you know, when you listen to some of the great jazz of the 60s, you can sort of feel a kind of Motown funk surging through it, even though they didn't really typically cover Motown songs. But there were have always been ways in which jazz has done that. And the bad plus, I think, it, Really, f- threw the door open to jazz, particularly piano trios, but groups of all kinds. Not only taking on new repertoire, but taking it on in ways that were sort of unabashed. You know, th- their rock groove feels like a rock groove, not some sort of faux jazz version of a rock mm-hmm. groove. And and they dared to play loud, which caused a real controversy in some clubs and among some critics. But. Gosh, it sounds great. And their improvisations are intelligent. Their harmonies are freewheeling. There's nothing uh, fusion-y about it. It's not smooth jazz. And in Glassber, I think his achievement, which is a really brilliant and subtle one, is that he, he makes hip-hop come through a jazz trio an acoustic jazz trio so he's not using samplers he's not using rappers necessarily on this great record in my element but it feels like hip-hop it has that stuttering uh wonderful kind of slightly mechanical groove of hip-hop and yet it's achieved through traditional jazz means
1: and, let's, and that's the alchemy let, let's hear both of them the bad plus first and then the robert glasper trio Robert Glasper trio FTB comes from his album In My Element and before that the Bad Plus with their cover of the Nirvana song Smells Like Teen Spirit. So these are both piano trios neither one of them looking or sounding like a conventional jazz piano trio. Kind of the point I suppose. Will Lehman put them both on his list of the best of the decade in jazz. Will's with us on the line and Um, We we asked you, like all our other critics this week, Will, to not only give us a top ten with seven of the best of the decade, but three of the best from the year. And uh, once again, a nice mix of veterans and relative newcomers. Henry Threadgill with uh, This Brings Us to Volume 1. And the drummer John Hollenbeck and his large ensemble with a brilliant record called Eternal Interlude. But at the top of your list... And you've already mentioned him in the segment today, is Vijay Ayer and uh, his album Historicity. Um, what is it about VJ that makes him, you know, so important to jazz today?
2: Well, VJ is uh, is is a guy who seems just so beyond category now. On on this fantastic record by his trio. And and by the way, the trio's been around for quite a while, um, often playing with the alto player Rudrish Mm Mahanthipa. And uh, nothing against Rudrish, who's been making great records the last couple of years as well. But on its own, the trio feels just exceptionally free and organic on this record. They cover the M.I.A. song, Long. And it is, uh, it's is—it's short, it's like a pop tune, but expressed the way jazz musicians do, with a kind of rhythmic uh, pliancy that's brilliant. And then uh, just one tune before that on the record is the great Leonard Bernstein ballad Somewhere from West Side Story, which is played not the way it would have been played 40 years ago, mm-hmm. but played with a brilliant pair of cross rhythms, and yet it's exceptionally lyrical. And I think what Iyer seems to be able to do is he plays just as up-to-date as the bad plus, and yet... He seems more versatile, like the classic jazz pianist. And I, I just think this record is... Uh, it would have been in my top of the decade, whether you'd required three from <laughs> 2009 or not.
1: Uh, well, it's as you may know, he's kind of a big hit around these parts here, too. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the version of the M.I.A. song, Galang. Here it is. And uh, Will Lehman's top ten jazz album list along with Siddhartha Mitters' uh, World Music List, both on the Soundcheck page at WNYC.org. Also, a link for the Soundcheck Listener Poll. We want to know what you think the best recordings in these various genres was during the past ten years. So uh, go online and take the Soundcheck Listener Poll at WNYC.org. Will Lehman, thanks for being with us on Soundcheck today.
2: I look forward to
1: the next decade, Sean. Still ahead, composer and conceptual artist Heiner Goebbels talks about using the vast Park Avenue Armory as the site for his newest multimedia work. It includes five pianists, or rather five pianos, no pianists. That's coming up next.